Welcome to another episode of the Irrational Thoughts Podcast. My name is DeAndre Honorable, and I'm here with my co-star. Matthew Corser. And first off, we want to start off by announcing the winner of the raffle uh, that we had this past week. The winner is Brayden. So you are now entitled to a gift, $40 gift card of your choosing. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, we wanted to talk about the next raffle that we're planning on having, which will be when we get... 150 likes on Facebook, um, and then we will correspond to you about how we will do the next raffle. But in order to even qualify in the raffle, you must like the page. So please like us at the Irrational Thoughts Podcast um, on Facebook. Um, we are also on Twitter as well. Um, with that being said, then we want to move on to our subject for today, which is going to be about um, our two uh, presidential candidates. Favorite, uh, who are running favorite our favorite yeah, candidates? Hands down, our favorites. Um, so you'll probably be you'll probably be able to guess who we voted for uh, in the primaries on Tuesday. But uh, <laughs> on the Democrat side, we have Hillary Clinton, and then on the Republican side, we have everybody's favorite Republican and everybody's friend who that they they want to play with at recess, Ted Cruz. And with that being said, let me pass that on to you, Matt. Yeah. So like like DeAndre said, we are. Talking about Hillary Clinton and Ted Cruz today, Hillary Clinton still being the front runner despite some upsets by everyone's favorite Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz moving on up in the Republican race. He's been up there for quite a while, but it's starting to look like the pres- the Republican primary is starting to be a two-way show with Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. God help us all that be- that, that is the case. But that is the sad reality you can pick between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, whereas on the Democratic side, it is starting to look a little bit closer. So we we decided we're going to we haven't really gone into Hillary Clinton's record or anything about her in depth lately. And the same thing with Ted Cruz. We haven't really gone into him as much as we would like to. So with that being said. We are going to start this episode off talking about Hillary Clinton. I don't think she needs any kind of introduction. If you don't know who Hillary Clinton is, I i mean, I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast, but I don't know why you are. Even if you're an immigrant of recent, you should probably know who, you more than likely would know who Hillary Clinton is. Yes, she is. She is very, very famous. One of our most famous politicians that we've had in recent, recent years. Uh, former first lady, former New York senator, former secretary of state, front runner for the Democratic nominee for president. So she really doesn't need any introduction. So that being said, Hillary Clinton, this is round two for her running for president. She's doing better than she was doing against Barack Obama, but we both agree Despite how much we dislike Hillary Clinton, we both agree that Hillary Clinton should be doing better than she actually is. Right, hands down. I mean, she was basically given the she was basically given the nomination by the Democratic Party early on. Um, you know, you had those couple of the scrubs: Jim Webb, Martin O'Malley, uh, Mark Chafee. What is Lincoln, his name again? Lincoln Chafee. Lincoln Chafee. Yeah, that's how forgettable he is. And um, but you know, you got this this upstart. Uh, senator, 
uh, for Vermont, who's basically coming in and giving her a run for her money now. And it's uh, really causing her a lot of problems because she's basically got to hold out. Her record is being called out. Not her record in terms of the emails, but when it comes to, like, uh, who's endorsing her and stuff like that. Past it's really calling out. Yeah, past votes and stuff like that. She's really being called out and put on the spot for a lot of things. So it's not going as smoothly as I'm sure she thought she was thought it was going to go or how the party thought it was going to go. No, yeah, and that that's something that irritated both of us and a lot of a lot of people I I associate with is that for the Democratic side this time last year it was it was looking like you can vote for Hillary or there, there's really nobody else running and I wasn't too keen on the Republican nominees at this time last year. I think Ted Cruz had announced by this time last year pretty darn close, and it was looking like Jeb Bush was going to run. You know, all those people who have already dropped out by now had were looking like they were going to run, so I wasn't too keen on any of the Republicans running. And then it's like, well, you can either vote for these Republicans you're not a big fan of, or you can support Hillary Clinton, which I'm not a big fan of, and it's just... It's just frustrating that this elect. It was looking like this primary process was just like a, you know, a formality for her to be a crowning, a cheap, uh, you know, to a coronation for her to win the election. And right. I know a lot of you guys felt the same way when it's not good for for it to be like that because her, like you said, her record doesn't get called out. Her past votes in the Senate doesn't don't get called out. What she did as first lady doesn't get called out if it was essentially just a coronation. Right. The most I think the most um, disturbing part of her nomination and in this whole process that's been going on is before the Iowa uh, the events in Iowa, like the limited amount of actual debate that the Democrats were having beforehand. Like it was almost two to one. For the Republicans to the Democrats, like it was, it was literally as if they just wanted us to give her as least opportunity as possible to be outshined by somebody else, and for her to make a mistake, so it can just be a breeze for her to get this nomination. Which I, I honestly don't think that Bernie would have won in Michigan if they hadn't had that Flint debate. No, probably not. Which I still, I still need to actually watch as a recent, but. Um, no, probably not. Um, and then not only that, but I mean, young supporters, I mean, without the young supporters, he would not have been, I mean, all I see on Facebook is people just telling everybody, at least in our age range, telling everybody to register to vote and go out there and vote for Bernie Sanders and stuff like that. So without the young voters, he wouldn't have got anywhere either. Yeah, same thing, which I think millennials are one of the biggest voting blocks now. And... I think we we found a poll, a Gallup poll, talking about Clinton and Sanders' favorability between age groups. So with people aged 18 to 24, Bernie Sanders has 62 favorability versus Hillary Clinton's 35 favorability. That is re- Ridiculous. She is down. She is down by almost thirty points on him in our demographic. That is insane. And the thing is, people our age are going out and voting, unlike years past, where like they don't vote in primaries. Like they're going out and registering to vote and voting in the primaries. Like this is an unprecedented election year where primary numbers have skyrocketed to unheard of numbers. Like it's unheard of. 
right? Especially for our generation. I mean, we're just not a very, we just don't feel like the democratic process that we have here is anything that we can actually relate to. We don't feel like anything that we actually do makes a difference that the boomers and older generations basically have a grip on what's going to happen in the future. So we're pretty hands off when it comes to stuff like that. But now we got this guy who we feel like can relate to our issues and has our best interest in mind. And we're going out there in record numbers. Basically, I think the closest that, you know, for a younger generation to even to get to this level is probably like Barack Obama. But I don't even think he's had any any type of influence like this. No, no. Like it, it's it's good. I'm glad people are going out and voting, whether you agree with Sanders or not. Like it, it's it's good that he's go, people are he's inspiring a generation of people to get more involved in the democratic process. And that's something that we've needed for a long time. Definitely. Regard. I mean, you know, I don't really follow suit with a lot of things that he has to say, but I can admire his conviction. And I, I definitely admire what he's doing um, to the process right now and getting more people active in it. Even if he doesn't win the nomination, I think the, the effect that he's having on younger people getting involved in the the process is going to have lasting lasting positive effects for the nation. Yep. Yep. No, I completely agree. While we're speaking on favorability, I want to this ties in really well with the next point that we wanted to make. Hillary Clinton's favorability with black voters is seventy eight, while Bernie Sanders is at thirty six. So that is where she is absolutely murdering him as far as support goes and we both wanted to talk about why she may not necessarily deserve all that support among black voters based on policies her husband came up with in the 90s now before before we get all these nasty emails and messages i want to play devil's advocate with myself and say that you know you can't hold Hillary accountable for what Bill did, blah, 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 which I completely agree with. Uh, you know, what a husband does, the wife shouldn't be accountable for. However, Hillary Clinton was not a stay-at-home first lady. She was she was catering to lawmakers. She was buttering them up. She was out there trying to get votes for these policies, and she was actively out there talking to the press about how these policies were going to be better, and she was she was – heavily involved in the process of making these bills a reality so with that being said she is held accountable for what bill did as far as these the 1994 crime bill and the welfare act goes yeah most definitely um you had a really good uh quote that you had that you wanted to quote on here that she basically said about black people as well yeah i'll leave that to you i don't know if it's a I wouldn't say it's a good quote, but it's it's good at showing what the mindset was back in the 90s towards these people. So I found this quote in her support for the 1994 crime bill. For example, she used racially coded rhetoric to cast black children as animals. This is this is a Hillary Clinton quote, quote. They are not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heal, end quote. Now, I know a lot of you have heard this quote before. It was it was in my YouTube recommended feed. I saw it on Facebook a few times. I know a lot of you are familiar with this quote, but I just want to, like what, 
like super predators, like and bringing them to heel. Like, what 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 does that say to you? Like, how do you feel when you hear someone be called as a super predator? Right. I mean, that's something. That's an important thing for you to ask people. I mean, super predator for me personally is basically just you know somebody who like preys on the weak, preys on children, um, and then you know the part where she's going that basically these kids uh, have no conscience or no empathy. And that we must bring them to heal as if they're dogs, as if they're animals that need to be beat into submission yeah. into some way. Oh, don't worry. Um, we can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we need to bring them to heal. Like, seriously? Like, oh, we don't really care about how they ended up this way. They're this way now, so now they need to be punished for that. Right. Not even taken, even if, even if, like, there is some validity, validity to that statement which there's not, of course. Uh, but then that just takes out the entire, like, historical, you know, upbringing, you know, the reason why these kids, these black kids would have been that way because there's a lot of historical reasons as to why black people are in the situation that they're in. And obviously black, and obviously Bill Clinton had a lot to do with that as well in more recent events. Yeah, that, that, the way that black people ended up the way that they were in the 90s and even today, that's a, that's a, episode for another time like we don't have time to get into that that is that is a series in and of itself which is something i would be very interested to get into but yeah just just in stuff like that and she it was brought up it was um there was um there was a protester a while ago who had a sign that said i don't need to be brought to heal and confronted her about it and she was definitely not expecting to see that and i I need to watch the video again, but Hillary Clinton pretty much brushed off her concerns and was just like, no one's ever brought that to my attention before, but I'm glad that you did. And she was escorted out of the room by security. Mm. You talking about that that girl that came up to her and started talking to her? Yeah, she had a sign that says, I don't need to be brought to heal. Like a young a young black mm-hmm. girl. And completely yeah, cut I her off. That video. Yeah, and then she just basically told her to leave at that point or that she should just run for run for office herself in the future yep, she doesn't yep. like it so much yep yep yeah that, like, that, that, uh, was, I think that was a different girl but yeah i know what you're saying yeah she's she's very dismissive of a lot of people who come up and question her on her past past errors and past decisions right yeah she tries to tell them well you know i've done a lot of great things for the black community and they're like uh no actually your record shows that you haven't really done anything good for the black community, but you know, if you want to call whatever gets you the vote, yeah, if you want to call putting a lot of young black people in prison as a good thing, I mean, depending on who you ask, I don't think that's a good thing, but right, but I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who do think that's a good thing. Well, the, the thing is, like Bill Clinton, when he was running for the president, he wanted to look like he was tough on crime. He wanted to be tougher on crime than Republicans, which is. Well, that's a tall order. Like being like Republicans are pretty tough on crime. You want, you want to say quote tough? If by tough you mean they just throw people away and lock the key, then yeah, you're you're tough on crime. But so so that's what that's what he was running for. He wanted to be tough on crime. A lot of urban African American communities were ravaged by crack cocaine, the war on drugs. So like th- there was already like a crumbling foundation there in the community. And he came into these black communities and said, I'm going to clean these communities up by taking all your kids and throwing them in prison. And they, at, when he was saying that, they were, they were all for it. And it still translates into votes today, which is 
ludicrous to me. Right. I think the most disappointing thing about it is, is that he's, yeah, like you said, he's getting a lot of black support. But I mean, of any president in, in our nation's history, I mean, he's increased dramatically the amount of black people who go to prison for non nonviolent crimes. And I mean, if you think about the stuff that that does to, yeah, three strikes you're out. And if you think about what that does to a family, I mean, I mean, if you got a family of like three kids and that father goes to prison for the rest of his life, I mean, that's going to have lasting effects on those kids. And then even the other way around, having to be a parent and watch your kid go to prison, is going to have negative effects on you as well in your community. Um, So, I mean, I, I mean, it's just sad to see that type of stuff happen. And then when you take into account that, you know, he's talking about being tough on crime, but white people's uh, incarceration rate really didn't increase either. Um, but white people do just as many crimes, if not more, uh, and not even take into an account pop- population, just in general, per 100,000. White people do just as many crimes as black people, uh, but their incarceration rate is nowhere near as high the, as black men. The sentencing isn't even as... It's, it's, it's ridiculous, like, what the sentencing is for committing a crime while white, while committing a crime while black. It's... it's Right, I mean, we're supposed to have us. We're supposed to have a system of blind justice, yeah. but we're sentencing people differently based on their race, their gender, and their nationality and stuff. I mean, if you want to, like, immigrants get worse. Uh, even legal immigrants get worse sentencing than non-immigrants. And the national license and NAFTA completely destroyed manufacturing in this country. Like Flint, Michigan used to be one of the best places to live in the 70s and 80s. And then NAFTA comes around and, I mean, we all know what Flint's like now. Heavily, heavily minority community, African-Americans, immigrants. And it's just, it's it's a cesspool. It's a hole. It is an eyesore for Michigan. And it, now we have this water crisis going on and Hillary's like, I'm going to make it a focal point of my campaign to say that I care about black people and what's going on in Flint. I'm like, yeah, but your husband is part of the reason why Flint is the way it is with signing NAFTA. It took manufacturing jobs away from Flint and Detroit, and that's the reason why Flint and Detroit's getting better slowly but surely. But the reason why Flint is still like just not a good place to be. So it's your fault. Right, and then you can also if you want if we want to go into like policies that had like that ne- that had negative effects on the economy, we can bring up um, the last one of the last bills that Bill Clinton signed before he left he surrendered over office to uh, um, George W. Bush was the Glass Steagall Act, which Bernie Sanders is in favor of reenacting, which allowed um, commercial banks and investment banks to merge together, which a lot of people cite as one of the main the main reasons for the 2007-2008 financial crisis as well. Yeah, but didn't you, so, but didn't you know Bill Clinton left the economy in, in such good shape for Bill Clinton, for George W.? He didn't set in motion anything to happen like 10 years later. Right, well, of course not. No, because, you know, he only had the best, he only had the interest of the American people in mind. Yeah, okay. Uh, whereas George W. Bush did not. Yeah, obviously. I... I guess I just don't understand the the absolute love that Bill Clinton gets. Like everyone thinks, like he was the best president we've had in thirty years. I'm like, yeah. What did he do? What what did he do? Like he, like I I have here like a, a myth that the Clinton administration was tough on crime. 
like, like at least he was overly tough on crime, but at least his policies were good for the economy and for black unemployment rate. Like that's not true. Unemployment rates did sink to historically low levels for white Americans in the 90s, but the jobless rate for black men in their 20s who didn't have a college degree rose to its highest level ever. And it was the reason why they were jobless was because they were incarcerated. Like they don't check jobless rates. Like unemployment rates don't count for people in prison. Like they, they don't. They, that's not included in the, any jobless reports. But you're, you're putting an increasingly amount of young black men in their 20s who don't have a college education in prison instead of taking time and money into uplifting them out of that poverty and making them better productive members of society. Instead, you're just throwing them in prison and saying, boop, not our problem anymore. Right. I mean, the appeal of Bill Clinton is, I mean, pretty obvious. I mean, like you said, what a what a guy when it comes to just the ability for him to like speak and, and engage you. I mean, the guy is really gifted. Um, I mean, obviously he gifted enough charisma. where he very charismatic. Oh yeah, guy. oh easily. I wish I had that type of charisma to be honest. I mean, we'd probably be at a thousand thousand listeners by now. But uh, I mean, the guy is at a point where he's able to convince people that he's doing something in their good. Where at this, but simultaneously, he is basically incarcerated. I know he's doing things that are not in their best interest, like black people. I mean. The guy was loved by black people. I mean, my parents, everybody in my family pretty much loved Bill Clinton. Um, But realistically, oh yeah, easily. But realistically, I mean, he never really had the black community's best interest at heart. Um, But for some reason, he was able to just do, just due to his character, just through the way that he was able to talk to people, convince them that he was their friend and, you know, kind of create like this artificial emotional bond between the two of them. I guess I don't really know how to explain it um, in detail because I'm not really too big of a fan of Bill Clinton. Um, but obviously there's something that's resonating with him to other people, black people especially, that has been having a, a long-lasting effect. I think I think the, um, the rose-tinted glasses are starting to come off a little bit with Hillary, with Hillary's upset loss in Michigan on uh, last Tuesday. When Michigan had its primary election, she was, it was polled to, she was supposed to win by 20 plus points and Bernie Sanders wasn't even expecting to win. He didn't have a victory speech ready. He was ready to accept the loss and, you know, come out and say, Hey, I had a lot of really good turnout, but we didn't win this one. And he won like overwhelmingly, not overwhelmingly. I'm sorry. He did not win overwhelmingly, but he beat her when he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. He was projected about to be she was projected to beat him by 20 points, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And he won. And it's mostly to do with the younger with the younger, uh, younger members in the black community. I mean, I don't think I have any friends uh, that are really in support of Hillary Clinton. Not that I'm aware of, at least. No, and I don't... I don't, or, I don't want to claim that, like, my circle of friends is, like, a... is representative of the entire political opinion, but I haven't talked to anybody who is enthusiastically excited for Hillary Clinton. I I find a lot of people who are enthusiastic about Bernie Sanders, but most everyone I talk to, they're just like, yeah, I'll vote for Hillary if she's the nominee because she's better than what the Republicans have. But I, I don't really want her, but they're, they're enthusiastic for Sanders. Right. And that's just such a very, for me, that's just such a very annoying mindset where you're like, I'm going to vote for her just because I don't like the other the other alternative 
I mean, it just shows that, like, our political system, the way that our system is set up, it's warped our mindset to believe that we have to have at least one or the other, that there's no third, there's no third alternative, you know, no plan C, D, or E. It's either this way or the highway which, when it comes to our political system, which is very upsetting which, I mean, and not true at all. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not constitutional to have any kind of party system at all. Like, two, when you only have two parties with such very opposite ends of views on almost everything, almost everything, they, uh, they both love Wall Street and they love that Wall Street money. That is something they both agree on, and they they both love they both love getting involved in foreign wars. But other than that, like when you have like two, and it's like you vote Republican or you vote Democrat, otherwise your vote's not really going to matter. Like the, the, with Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders isn't a Democrat. Like he caucuses with Democrats because he has to, but he's he's actually he's been an independent his whole life. Does doesn't has to, um, identify as any party. But he has to run as a Republican in order to even get up there. Like, if he was running as independent right now, it would pretty much just all be for Hillary. Right, yeah, easily. Uh, I mean, they basically would have just had to have given her the nomination at this point because there was no way that Martin O'Malley was even going to hold a candle to her. I mean, I remember in the last debate that he was in, like, he was trying to say stuff in there, but like, yeah, yeah, nobody cares. We're going straight to commercial. Yes, essentially. Felt kind of bad for the poor guy. I know, right? You can tell that he's trying so hard, but he's not a bad guy. I mean, he's he's. I mean, there, there's there's potential for him. He could run again at some point. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too opposed to that. Um, I guess where I want to move to at this point is talking about her endorsement from Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Um, I know that you have a list of like all these flip flops she has. And I know that uh, abortion rights is one of the things that she's flipped on. Um, not that, you know, we're not going to throw out our opinion on the matter, but um, obviously Planned Parenthood isn't, uh, helps women. Isn't that why it. people li- listen to this is for our opinion? <laughs> right. I mean, but, you know, abortion is a very emotional, uh, a very emotional topic. So I don't really want to go too in deep in something that, you know. No, I, I understand. So yeah, she um, back in January she got an endorsement from Planned Parenthood, which we we personally, I personally don't have a problem with Planned Parenthood. I think they do a lot of they do a lot of good for women's for women's health, and they they just do health good things for health in general. Like they also do men's health, but they do they, they do pregnancy screenings. They do a lot of things. They educate people on you know contraceptives and all that all that stuff. My my problem with her getting an endorsement from Planned Parenthood is that Planned Parenthood is a taxpayer funded organization and taxpayer dollars, everyone's taxpayer dollars, is now going to help support Hillary Clinton, which I am not okay with at all. Right, and I think that the most uh the most annoying thing in regards to the Planned Parenthood uh, funding thing is, is that, you know, uh, not that I side with them, but basically, you know, last year, Republicans were trying to cut funding and threatening to get the government shut down um, if they didn't fund Planned Parenthood. And they fought to, you know, get that stopped. Um, but now they're basically just giving away $20 million to Hillary Clinton. Um, but they were just complaining a moment ago about not having, you know, 
they're having like funding issues and stuff like that, but obviously not too much where they're able to give away millions of dollars to a candidate. Which I liked. I like that we started talking about this because it can it can lead into our next uh, discussion about Hillary Clinton, which is her um, her endorsements and her donors. Which the reason why Planned Parenthood is giving her twenty million dollars is because they're expecting a return on her investment. While I like I like I said I I like Planned Parenthood. I think they do a lot of good work, and I would like them to keep doing their good work but they're giving her 20 million dollars in hopes that once she gets elected she's going to remember what they did for her and do more for them give them more money and that is why she they're, they're getting their endorsement they're seeing her as being the next president so they're getting ahead of the curb and giving her money right and then not only that but there's the whole woman card so now she's being just another move for her to be able to rally more women behind her and stuff like that, which which I'm fine with her being a woman at all, but I don't think that it should be a major focal point for her ability to be commander-in-chief of the nation. No, I, I agree completely. Um, wasn't there a couple more things that we wanted to talk about in regards to Hillary Clinton? Yeah, I wanted to use the use the Planned Parenthood to go into like her donors in general. Mm. Like just the Wall Street donors and stuff for, like yeah, that? Wall, Wall Street donors. Clinton Foundation has some shady donors. Okay. Yeah, well, just in, just in general, I mean, obviously she's getting tons of money from Wall Street, who she claims are just a friend, uh, which is just absolutely silly uh, to think that these people are who are investment bankers are just giving her money because they're friends and not expecting any type of return due to the political power that she might have next year. Yeah, and and on to that point, she acts like she's going to be tough on Wall Street once she gets in once she gets elected. The reason why Wall Street's giving her money is because they know she won't be tough on them. They know that they could be able to get away with more stuff. They know they'll get less regulations. They, they they know that they're like you said they're investment bankers. They're not giving her money because they're friends. They're doing it because they want an in turn return on their investment. Right. I think where it gets really obvious that there's a there's a corruption connection between government and Wall Street is when the government shut down or whenever the government does shut down, stock prices fall. Which realistically, the economy should run flawlessly without the government. The government is only there should only be there to um, impose rights for companies and like property rights and, and contract laws and states and stuff like that. But the government's connection to the economy is so obvious that any time that the government shuts down, stocks just completely almost just almost completely plummet at that point, which part of it makes sense because the government, when they're open, is buying stuff, which stimulates trade. But realistically, it just shows that Wall Street is dependent on the government to support them. Yeah, everybody wants to talk about capitalism and the private sector, which don't even don't even insult me with that BS because Republicans do that all the time. Like they want more growth in the private sector, they want the capitalism, they want all this stuff. But Republicans were pissed when Ted Cruz shut the government down. They were pissed because it. Like you said, stock prices went down. It hurt the economy. Like for a group that claims to be about small government, they really didn't want the government to shut down because it hurt their buddies on Wall Street. Right, exactly. All over the Affordable Health Care Act, which got passed, which got passed as constitutional by the Supreme Court, so now it is the law of the land, and then they were threatening to do it again. 
over funding for Planned Parenthood, which uh, I'm not really too too keen on the idea of them getting public money because, you know, I kind of got like the idea that companies and, and organizations should be able to find ways to fund themselves without the government. But under no circumstance are they even in my top 100 list of things that need to be defunded by the government. No, mine either. Not at all. Right. And I don't even mind. Even, even if they do keep in public, publicly funded money, I, it doesn't really, if anything, it has more of a positive effect than a negative effect on the on in the nation because it's giving women and men education on ways to avoid sexually transmitted disease and to stop unwanted pregnancies which unwanted pregnancies are what lead to abortion so you think that republicans who are against abortion would want to support Planned Parenthood more abstinence bro that's all about that abstinence don't have sex yeah abstinence everybody knows that those promise rings have a 100% success rate too Chast- chastity belts bro <laughs> Yeah, those will probably have some some issues with kids going to public school and not being able to go to the bathroom. But you know. yeah, so um, I think this would be a good um, good turning point. We're talking about government shutdown and um, Planned Parenthood. I think this is a good pivot point to talk about Ted Cruz, everyone's favorite Republican senator. You mean Rafael Cruz? Rafael Cruz, yes. Rafael Cruz, name. right. The guy who born, he... born in Calgary, Canada. Uh, do we want to give a... I know a lot of you might not be as familiar with Ted Cruz as we are. So do you want to give a little introduction onto who who this upstanding yeah, American so, citizen is? Yeah, so he's, a Can- he's basically a Canadian citizen who renounced his citizenship uh, two to three years ago. Uh, 2014. 2014, so yeah, two years ago. Um for obviously for to run as a uh, for presidency uh came to america based on got citizenship based off his mother um and then at that point he uh i don't know what college he went to um but he got a he law degree harvard yeah, did he go to harvard yeah yeah and uh you know started a practice started in practice um basically started working with george w bush and his campaign and a little bit in his administration um, and then now, in, what did he get elected? 2012, as senator. Thirteen. Thirteen midterm election. Okay. And um, basically became a. He's right now a first term senator. Him, Marco Rubio, and in a lot of the ways, like Barack Obama, because Barack Obama was a first term senator as well. So there's a little bit about him, um, but he basically is this like. Uh, for lack of better terms, this religious fascist, Christian fascist, uh, who's kind of running his campaign based off almost solely off of uh, his religion, this appealing to the evangelicals, trying to get the religious vote more than anything um, by saying that Christians are being persecuted in America, and then not only in America, but then obviously in the Middle East, where we need to uh, stop letting in, you know, Muslim refugees and only be exclusively letting in Christian refugees. Uh, because if you read the Bible, you hear that Jesus obviously said that we should only be helping Christians and nobody else. Uh, so there's a little bit about Ted Cruz. And then we got like his wife, Heidi Cruz, as well, who used to work for Goldman Sachs, where, again, he's trying to act like he's this, you know, non, non, uh, what would, what would you say? Non- Establishment. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to be a Tea Party yeah. outsider. Yeah. He's, he's a Tea Party favorite. The Tea Party True. loves Ted Cruz. Right, but he's basically trying to say that he has no connection to Washington. 
to uh, Wall Street, but then, you know, his wife used to work for Goldman Sachs, where in their Houston Wealth Management Unit, where the, she used to basically manage the portfolios of clients who had $40 million plus in wealth, uh, which, I mean, those are not your average running no shows right there. There's a little, there's a little bit about him. We'll go in a little bit more details about his endorsements and stuff like that. But I mean, both you and I from day one haven't really been fans of Ted Cruz. No, and a lot of it has to do with I'm not a big fan of the Tea Party in general. I don't like the message that they that they spew. I think they, I think there's a lot of racism behind the rise of the Tea Party. Like you know, we've we've talked about this before. We're both not the biggest fans of Barack Obama. But I in no way, shape, or form dislike Obama because of his skin color. The Tea Party claims I don't either, but it's it's very obvious that the rise of the Tea Party and a rise of these a lot of these militant anti-government groups are because Barack Obama is black. So I don't want to talk about that too much, but yeah, it's just his extreme evangelical views he's very divisive you want to call obama a divisive president just look at some of the things ted cruz has said some of the people who have endorsed him wanted to shut the government down because of the aca i you know i we have both have our issues with the affordable health care but i i do like that it let people with pre-existing conditions finally able to get health insurance that is that is one thing i really enjoyed about the aca it expanded medic medicaid for low-income people like, there's a lot of bits of legislation that it, there's a lot of things in the legislation that were not good. It's very, very pro insurance. It loves the insurance companies. The insurance companies got a huge win on the ACA, but he's essentially like it appeals to his base to oppose the ACA. Right. That's... And shutting the government down because of it is ridiculous. Right, because it didn't it didn't gain them anything at all. If anything, it just said it another set it a negative light on the Republican Party, and then he he used that, and then it was at that point that most people in Congress and in the Senate stopped liking Ted Cruz, and then that's when he started using that whole, oh, where I'm a political outsider, that's why these people at Washington don't like me. No, the people at Washington don't like you um, because you helped shut down the government without a plan and without an end, game, without an end goal in sight. Yeah, John McCain called him a jackass. Yeah. George W. Bush doesn't like him, right? And he used to work with he used to work with them. So, yeah, he was a domestic policy advisor for uh, W. on the 2000 campaign. Yep, yep, most definitely. And then you take into account his um, one thing that I was reading on was basically saying that he's talking about how he's like this outsider and stuff, um, but he is famous. Ted Cruz is famous because he tried to block a spending bill to protest Barack Obama's executive orders on immigration. But um, a lot of people are saying that it's basic. He was doing that to match what he was really trying to do, which was um, trying to distract lawmakers from scrutinizing a writer bill that would have helped out Wall Street lobbyists. That was, yeah, that, that was good researching on your part. I did not know about that until you brought it to my attention. That was that was some good researching on your part, and I'm glad glad you brought it up. Right. So it's 2014. I mean, I, I believe his wife was still even working for Goldman Sachs at the time. Yep. His wife only stopped working at Goldman Sachs last year to help him run for president, which that's another thing we wanted to touch on. He, he also tries to paint himself as being anti-Wall Street and how he was opposed to the bank bailout. 
But let's get real serious. The woman that you're married to and the mother of your children has been working at Goldman Sachs for 10 years and you don't have any kind of interest in what her company does. Like, let's get real serious here, Ted. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. And then not only that, but then they also got a loan for his campaign for a quarter million to half a million dollars, which he doesn't even really acknowledge. All he does is talk about how they're just liquidating their personal savings to put towards their campaign. That doesn't explain the loan that you got from Goldman Sachs, but I'm pretty sure it's probably at a you don't got to pay this back, really, or at like 0% interest, so... I mean, come yeah. on. It's not like they're giving you this money because they like you. Uh, just because they like you or because your wife used to work here. They're giving it to you because they want to return on their investment. It's the same thing yeah. with Hillary. It was when he was running for a Senate campaign. Like, you don't think he got that Goldman Sachs loan just because? Just because? Like, no, your wife works for Goldman Sachs. They see somebody who can be a senator and work for their interests. So give him a quarter of a million dollars, help a Senate campaign, he gets elected, he's going to vote for stuff and push legislation that's going to benefit you. And that is why our system is corrupt. Yeah. And that's why Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are doing so well, because they're not bought up by these special interest groups, by these super PACs, by these lobbyists. They work for the people. Right, yeah. I mean, you can definitely say that about Bernie Sanders. I'm not I'm not 100% sure what is motivating Donald Trump at this point. Uh, he's a he's a really weird candidate, but obviously he's not a, a candidate who can be bought out because, like we were talking about before, I mean, what's the difference between ten billion and four billion dollars? Regardless, you still have tons of wealth, and there's not much difference you can do with ten billion dollars that you couldn't do with four billion dollars. I mean, just buy more of the same stuff, but there's only so much stuff that a billionaire needs to buy, anyways, from a logical standpoint. Yeah, you can only have so much stuff in this world. Which, while we're still on uh, Ted Cruz, he's also a huge climate change denier, which I would argue makes him very dangerous. Like, I, I think Ted Cruz is the most dangerous man running for office right now. Like, more dangerous than Donald Trump. I've said before, and I'll say it again, if for whatever reason it came down to Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, I would go door to door for Donald Trump without a second thought like that is that is how much i would not vote for ted cruz i think ted cruz is dangerous and it's because of the people who endorse him and the way he accepts and trumpets these endorsements the way he's excited to get these people's endorsements which we want we also want to talk about the people that have endorsed him some of his views on stuff he's like you said before deandre donald ted cruz very much goes after the religious liberty vote he tried to politicize kim davis but mike huckabee got to her first you know he want like he wants to be a political outsider who thinks he he's like increasingly renegade government officials seek to coerce people of faith either to either to act in a manner that violates their faith or forfeit their career trying to say that the government's pretty much forcing secular views on you or if you if you're a person of faith you have to leave your job like that's completely asinine to say Right, most definitely. I mean, the only example that he could even probably point out where the government is making people do X, Y, and Z against their faith is probably that incident where that lady didn't want to, like, bake a cake for, like, a gay couple, which, I mean, even then, like, that's so silly for you not even wanting to do for, like, your religious reasons. Like, you're there to make money, not to, like, preach. So, I don't understand. I I don't understand the problem. But, I mean, 
I can see, I can see both sides of the story where you know that gay couple should be if they have the money to pay for something then they should be entitled for that service. But at the same point, I can see where like she's coming from where it is her business. So she is she should not be entitled to serve somebody that she doesn't feel like she needs to service. I mean, businesses are allowed to kick people out as long as it's not for X Y Z motivation. Yeah, and then that's it comes back to the free market. If if a cake shop doesn't want to serve you because of gay, I would tell all my friends and I would just I would never go there again. Right. If anything, I'd try to get a a, a bakery built right across the street just so that they could just be in direct competition with them and steal all the business uh, of more open minded individuals. Yep, completely agree. Like that's that's how the free market should work. Yeah, that's how the free market should work. So, I mean, but that's like the only example beyond that. I mean, nobody's stopping you from praying. Nobody's stopping you from going to church. Nobody's, you know, stopping you from helping the poor or anything like that or, you know, making you have sex outside of marriage or anything like that. No, if you you want to, you could, you can, you you're, if you, if you claim religious exemption, you can not go to work on Sunday or whatever, whatever day of faith it is, Muslims, it's. Friday Jewish people at Saturday like you can you cannot like your your place of employment cannot force you to do things to that violate your faith because that's a that's a really big lawsuit on their hands and they don't want to deal with it they'd rather just find somebody else to cover your shift for that time than deal with the lawsuit of I can't work on Sundays correct so I mean he really doesn't have any basis but let's get a little bit into the people who are like endorsing this guy yeah, the, kind, the kind of winners that right. Ted Cruz is choosing or the people that he's helping, that he's having help him on his campaign. I mean, just this last week, he formed a religious liberty council for his campaign, which has um, very uh, high, open-minded individuals such as Tony Perkins, uh, the Ben Ham brothers, and where's my other one? My other, my other winner out there, Bishop Harry Jackson. And these are the type of individuals who are saying basically that homosexuality and its agenda are attacking the nation and that Satan is behind marriage inequality and that mass shootings are the result of the gay rights movement. Wow. What, what winners this dude has helping him on his team. And it would be one thing if that was the only, the only one, but sadly... It is not. He also has the endorsement of a very controversial pastor whose name is Mike Bickle, and he is controversial. He, he runs the Kansas-based International House of Prayer, and during a 2011 sermon, he discussed two methods he believes God will use to convert the world's Jewish population to Christianity, grace and violence. Now, I, regardless of our personal religious beliefs, I don't care what other people believe. And if you want to try to convert other people to your religion, that's fine. I would prefer using the grace option by talking to people and saying, hey, this is what I believe and you should do this. And like, We're not going to get into our views on that, but you're more than – you have free speech. You're more than welcome to discuss your religious views. And if I don't want to hear them, that's also my free speech to tell you I don't care. Or just, but, or just walk away. Or just walk away. But this guy, Mike Bickle, he said, after discussing the fishermen that will use grace to persuade Jews to convert, Bickle turned his attention to the hunters 
who he believes will use violence towards the same end. And the Lord says, and if they don't respond to grace, I'm going to raise up hunters. And then Dembeckle said, and the most famous hunter in recent history is a man named Adolf Hitler. So this guy is essentially saying that Adolf Hitler was a hunter sent by God to convert the Jews to Christianity through violence. Like, that is completely messed up. And Ted Cruz put this guy's endorsement on his website. Bickle endorsed this guy for president. A, a little bit of what he said in his endorsement, we need a president who will work to defend religious liberty, uphold our constitution. We have been praying for righteous leaders, and Ted Cruz is such a leader. Like, And this is on Ted Cruz's website. It was on a post on his website trumpeting this guy's endorsement. I, I don't know how the rest of you feel about this. I don't I don't care like what kind of staunch advocate you are for Ted Cruz. I mean I do care, but Ted Cruz got the endorsement of a guy who thought that Adolf Hitler was sent by God to kill six million Jews. To j- just stop and pause and think about that. Ted Cruz was endorsed by a man who thought God sent Hitler to kill six million Jews. Right. I don't care what type of like original religious affiliation you have as an individual but if you think that in any way shape and form that what hitler did was a good thing and in the name of god i think that you are living in some type of like delusional like world where your mind has been warped by somebody i mean anybody who thinks that you should be using violence to get your point across is an extremist in the worst sense. I mean, that's isn't that exactly what the government is claiming that they're fighting in the Middle East is extremists who want to use violence to get their religious point across? Yeah, but 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 the only kind of violence that gets called out by this country is for for being religious based violence is Muslim violence. So that's the only kind of extremist violence that gets called out. Like we never call out Christian violence for what it is. Right. Like that one just, guy, what where was it? Uh was it Oregon? That was, no, well, no 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 the guy the guy in the Colorado who shot a plan Yeah, yep, yep. That guy was never did, called did some type of like radical extremist or anything like that. Yeah. To save to save the babies, yes. Uh, all the more reason to put more funding into Planned Parenthood, so then that way you don't even have to be in a position to save the babies. But, you know, I guess that's just then, too much uh, forward thinking. Yeah, no, too much progress. We can't have any of that. And another winner that um, Ted Cruz has on his team, and again, like like we said earlier, you know, you, playing devil's advocate with ourselves, you know, you can you can endorse anybody. Anybody can endorse you. And you can't really do anything about it. But it's one thing to get an endorsement from a guy. And it's another thing to get that endorsement and then flaunt it. Right. As if it's a gold medal that you deserve. As if it's like, you know, something grand that you want to brag about. Like, that's completely different. If somebody endorses you, you can, like you say, you can't do anything about it. But you can call out the actions of the individual who endorsed you. Or you can do nothing, or you can celebrate it. And that's exactly what Ted Cruz is doing. He's celebrating the endorsement of an individual who says that Hitler was doing God's work, which in all actuality, Hitler actually thought he was doing God's work as well. But 
just goes to show you the, the delusional mindset of some people. But back to this other winner who he got an endorsement from, everybody's favorite Duck Commander, Phil Robertson. Um, he endorsed Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz did a campaign video showing um, Phil Robertson's endorsement that went up in November or December, and it had Phil Robertson doing his Phil Robertson thing, talking about my qualifications for president are very narrow. Is he godly? Does he love us? Will he do a good job? And does he cook a, a mean gumbo? And then I looked through all the presidential candidates, and Ted Cruz was the man for the job. He is godly. He loves us. He'll do a good job. And he can, he'll can he go duck hunting with me. Like, oh my gosh. Like, my eyes have never rolled so hard in my entire life watching that video. It, it's both sad infuriating and disgusting all at the same time like like does he love us like what the hell does that even mean what does that even mean does, does, does ted cruz love us like, and most most, most importantly ted cruz would not go duck honey which <laughs> no ted cruz is like the ivy league uptight silver spoon in his ass kind of guy like he went to princeton and harvard for god's sake he's not roughing it up in texas <laughs> let's get real serious <laughs> that Cruz couldn't kill anything if you wanted to. But the other reason I bring up Phil Robertson is not because I hate Duck Dynasty, which I do. And I, like I've said before, I could care less whether Phil Robertson's a conservative Christian with crazy ideas or not. That's that's another thing entirely. Like he is has every right to think that way and do all that stuff. That's fine. But just based off his previous comments, there was that big controversy back in 2013 when he had that GQ interview saying that black people were better under Jim Crow laws, comparing homosexuals to bestiality. That got him into a lot of heat and something else that got him into heat this time last year. It wasn't as widely publicized as it was in 2013, mostly because Duck Dynasty has thankfully started to diminish in popularity. But he was at the Vero Beach Prayer Breakfast uh, last year, this time last year. And Robertson was trying to address the question of whether atheists, because they don't believe in God, are able to distinguish between good and evil acts. So with with that context and that, that basis in mind, this is what... Phil Robertson, the duck commander of Duck Dynasty, someone who Ted Cruz was flaunting their support of. This is what Phil Robertson said, quote, I'll make a bet with you. Two guys break into an atheist home. He has a little atheist wife and two little atheist daughters. Two guys break into his home and tie him up in a chair and gag him. And then they take his two daughters in front of him and rape both of them and then shoot them. And they take his wife and they decapitate her head off in front of him. And then they can look at him and say, isn't it great that I don't have to worry about being judged? Isn't it great that there's nothing wrong with this? There's no right or wrong. Now, is it, dude? Then they, then you take a sharp knife and take his manhood and hold it in front of him and say, wouldn't it be something if this being castration was something wrong with this? But you're the one who says there is no God. There's no right. There's no wrong. So we're just having fun. We're sick in the head. Have a nice day. End quote. Just, that was a lot to take in. But essentially what he was saying that, since he's an atheist, he doesn't think there's anything, atheists don't think there's anything wrong with rape, decapitation, and castration, is essentially what I took out of that. I don't know what your, 
what your assessment of the riveting, disgusting story by Phil Robertson was, DeAndre? Yeah, I really like to hear what our what our listeners would have to say about that. But yeah, basically that's exactly what he's saying is, is that uh, atheists have no morals and whatnot, which is which is ridiculous. Atheists have just as many morals as any other religious individual. Um, you know, they don't need to have that those morals derived from God or anything like that. They just derive it from their want to do good or the want to do bad. I mean, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of just where, like with any other denomination or religious organization. There's a lot of good Christians. There's a lot of bad Christians, and there's a lot of good atheists and a lot of bad atheists. It's up to the individual. There's no one organization isn't going to produce more good people than the other. At least in my mindset. No, that's exactly how I feel. You're always going to have good and bad with any kind of group. Atheists and Christians are no exceptions. But right, but that, I guess, that I just, guess, but I get what you're saying. That this just shows you what type of thinking this individual has, and this is the type of endorsement that Ted Cruz is accepting from people. Well, we um, I, I showed you that video a while ago, and um, I was curious a while a while ago to see if Ted Cruz had any atheist supporters. And an atheist as Ted Cruz in Iowa, I believe, a few months ago, why why should I support you when you're a religious extremist, essentially? And Ted Cruz pretty much said, I hope you'll convert, but you should, you should support me because I'm a constitutionalist and I fight for the Constitution, which Ted Cruz was pretty much saying, like, I don't really want your support. Like, I'm not here for you. Right. I'm a constitutionalist. I hope you convert. Okay, so, yeah, right. He's, I mean, the Constitution, it's, like we always say, man, like, both sides of the party, man, like, everybody's for the Constitution until it's something inconvenient for them. You know, like, you know, obviously the courts have ruled that women should be able to have abortions and stuff like that as long as it's within a certain time period, but that's obviously not something that Republicans are too fond of. Or, you know, they're 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 all, you know, fine and dandy with the Constitution until it comes to, like, getting, like, warrants and stuff like that, which they started, and then now it's an inconvenience for them. Yeah, no, like, the, a lot of Republicans are are great with small government when it comes to government regulations, their ability to make money, the ability for them to get endorsements and money for their campaigns. They're, they're, they're fine with small government when it comes to that, but when it comes to what you do in your bedroom con- consensual between you and your significant other whether it be man or woman or transgender what you what you and your doctor decide to do as far as abortions go like when it comes to that they want as much government as possible and Ted Cruz is no exception to the to this right if anything he is the the outlier in it but but yeah but there's there's Ted Cruz for you folks. Uh, everybody's favorite Republican candidate, uh, obviously, not in sarcasm in the most extreme way because he actually does have a lot of real. He he really does have a lot of supporters. It seems like uh, I don't think he's yeah I don't think he's that close behind. I don't think the it's the the race between him and Donald Trump is as close as it is between Bernie Sanders and Hillary. But the race is still there, and the caucuses and the primaries aren't over yet. So, He's won the most states besides Trump. He's number two in the states one. Right. And delicate count. Right. Most definitely. So please, if we have any Republican voters, don't vote for Donald Trump. 
don't vote for Ted Cruz. They're both they're both fascists. Ted Cruz is a Christian fascist. He's a theist. We he's run, he's supposed to be running for commander in chief, not for popal in chief. Right. Not to be the Pope of America. Not to be the Pope of America. If anything, you should be voting for our guy John Kasich. I would be more than happy to support John Kasich, but he's not crazy enough to get enough of those votes. Nope, I agree. I would also be completely fine supporting John Kasich as well. But I think that about wraps it up. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add with Hillary and our good friend Ted Cruz? I I just wanted to say that I don't want to come off as a, a bias. Like I, I don't like t- Ted Cruz, but the thing is, like if Ted Cruz had any ideas that I actually f- could get behind or stand behind, like I would I would acknowledge that I agreed with him on some things i just i can't find anything that he believes in because he is so far to the right that there's just no room for compromise with him that i i can't find anything to get behind ted cruz for and there's not a whole lot i can get behind hillary clinton for mostly because i don't know who hillary clinton is i don't know what her convictions are she's she's flip-flopped so much throughout her career I don't know who the real Hillary Clinton is, so I personally can't get behind either one of these two candidates. And if you like either of these candidates, I mean, that's fine. I'm sure everybody has their reasons for liking who they like, but I just hope that through this episode today we were able to give you a little bit more insight into the candidates, whether it was biased or not. I'm not going to pretend like it wasn't, but those are just the facts that we found based on the candidates and what they believe and who stands with them. Total agreement with you right there. Um, with that being said, we're going to wrap this up. Um, we want to first thank everybody for listening to us. And then, uh, again, our next raffle will be at 150 votes. Um, you got to be, you have to like us on Facebook in order to be a member of it, uh, in order to participate in it. Um, and then we are also on Twitter. We'll be starting a Reddit soon. Um, and then, again, We are on iTunes, and if you listen to the show, please rate and comment about it, um, because if you like the show, uh, it's going to help us be able to do this a lot more. I know you got a little bit more to say on the matter than I do. Yep, just uh, like like he said, Facebook, Twitter, we're on there. Just search for the Irrational Thoughts Podcast, like us, follow us, all that fun stuff. Like he said, we're on iTunes. The big, the big thing that I want to get into, like like he said, please review us and leave a leave a comment for us on iTunes. The more reviews we get, I would like it if you gave us five stars, but I'm not I'm not fishing for compliments. To just be honest and tell us what we can do to fix things. If you if you don't like something about it, let us know and we'll try and fix it. But reviewing us like helps iTunes search for us more like if you want to look for political podcasts if we're reviewed and we get more people listening to us we'll show up in the search bar more like we'll be we'll be more likely to be in the top 20 for searches so it's important if you like the episode we like doing this we really enjoy doing this we enjoy when we get positive feedback so the more you review the more you listen the more we can do this for you everybody wins except for ted cruz except for ted cruz and Harry clinton and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, which she might actually win, but that's yeah. unfortunate. But again, thank you for listening. Again, my name is DeAndre Honorable with the Irrational Thoughts Podcast with my co-star. Matthew Corser. And thank you and have a great day.